Hey ho, Docolo. Welcome to the Documenteers Podcast, the podcast about documentary films. And I am Bob Sham, and each week myself and a friend analyze a different documentary. And boy, do we have a doozy for you today. It's all about black power, black consciousness, black panthers, black is beautiful, and all the systematic bullshit that holds it down, but told through the perspective of the Swedish news media. It's a foreign film, technically, I think. Today, Eldridge and I will be discussing the Black Power mixtape 1967 to 1973 by Goran Olsen, and it's going to be a jam. Next week on the show, you may have heard that a lot of what was planned this month had to be flipped around and rescheduled, and what I intended to go down next week had to change, but that's okay because an old friend stepped out of the shadows to help me out. Stuart joins me as we discuss a film that actually crosses over into some of what we are discussing on today's episode. In the 70s in New York City, they built an interstate that pretty much drew a line separating the Bronx from the rest of the city. That slow burn of gentrification ensued over time, and the Bronx made way to gangs, lots and lots of gangs, all over New York City, but especially the Bronx. The real-life version of that cult movie, The Warriors, and it all leads to the creation of one of the most popular music genres on the planet. We are rapping about the film Rebel Kings by Shan Nicholson. And you can hear it all next week right here on The Documenteers. Music clip credits that play only long enough to not get sued are played in this episode as follows. The Growing Pains theme song, randomly enough, that shows up. The song Earthquake by Tyler the Creator. Unwritten by The Roots. And one elusive track that within the episode I call Live to Fight Another Day because... There's lyrics that say that in the song, but I don't think it's called that. I could find absolutely nothing on the internet from typing in the few lyrics I could hear. I suspect the song is called Miles Moods by someone named Guy Baker. And I only assume it's that song because it's the one track cited in the film's end credits that seems to also come up nowhere. Questlove curated the music for today's documentary, and if I ever run into him, I'll have to ask him where the hell I could find that song. Documenteerspodcast.com for more on us and this. Five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts help expand the show. It means more to us than your money right now. So if you've been listening for a while, please help us out by doing that. Also doing things like listening, recommending, and subscribing on any pod player helps a lot too. I believe that's all for this intro. Let's get into this. Reminisce on cultural shifts that seem as relevant today as ever. Keep on doc. Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. What was it like coming back to America after having fighting over in Vietnam? Almost the same way as before I left. And uh, how I, when I say this, because, uh, you know, when a man goes to a, fight for his country and then come back over here and have to almost fight for his life, you know, in certain parts of the country, get ridiculed and, you know, and uh, discriminated, you know, and be less than a man. I don't think it's right, you know. Uh, life hasn't, you know, seemed like it hasn't been, uh, has, has, has its ups and downs with me. It hasn't been like I, I was planning for it to be, you know. No. Some way, you know, I got on the wrong track and I uh, fell into that gutter, you know, like I've been trying to get out of there for the longest, and I think the environment have a whole lot to do with 
with keeping a man down, you know? Yes. And uh, I've been I trying to get I've been trying to get out of that gutter for the last four years, but it looked like it's something always holding me down. Ah, fuck you, Bobby. I've been recording. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Eldridge. Woo! Welcome. Wee! Oh. chilly February. Feels so good. It's my favorite time of year. Overcast skies. Lights just now coming back. Next month is listener request month. You're not in on it. Nope. You're going to be very busy. I'm going to be doing, doing shit next month. <laughs> yeah. I don't know you, what you're talking you, about. You're going to be sitting? Mm-hmm. Sitting down. Getting plenty of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the sleep. All the sleep. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great stuff. Eventually, we'll have you back. One day, when fun can be had again. Look, you're going to find your fun. Nope. Just the it's brain chemistry is different. You need to let the brain chemistry ch- change you. Yeah. Nope. Don't want it to happen. No. Nope. nope. Not nope. going to happen. I'm going to be one of those like bad dads. Bad dads? <laughs> yeah. I hear they're very rare. Like those bad dads. There's so few of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're so, so rare. There's just so many fucking good dads. <laughs> so boring. I like how dads are always there for you. Yeah. Always there. <laughs> never getting drunk at like your birthday party. Embarrassing you. Never they, happens. Yeah. They don't die. No, they don't die. <laughs> God. God. If they're not dying. They're embarrassing you. <laughs> having like 12 beer bottles strewn about and you're... Bring your little chuckle buddies by after school. It's like, ah, he drank these over like 12 days, guys. My father died when I was very young, and some of my relatives uh, that knew him very well were very honest, and I appreciate it. They were like, yeah. you know, he had a lot of problems. He probably wouldn't have been like some great dad, to be totally honest. Yeah. And I was very grateful for that information. Yeah, yeah it's a double-edged sword, you know. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. I ain't mad at no one about it. Nope. Love my dad. I love your dad, too. Yeah, he's a good guy. Black Power Mixtape. That's the flick we're talking about. P-P-M-T, baby. By Goran Olsen. Goran Olsen? That doesn't sound like a black name. Mm, What if he's like that dude that moved from Ethiopia to Sweden? You know, Marcus Samuelson? He is very black. Oh, wow. Yeah? Yeah, he's a very famous restaurateur. Oh, I thought he was going to be an international soccer player. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is that one guy. uh, His last name is King. He's from Finland. Very black. Nice. Yeah. Hey, cool. Yeah, how about that? I hear these countries are very chill. Heard uh, Finland actually has gone most of the way into fixing its homeless problem. Oh, yeah, and King's from Norway, not Finland, my bad. But continue, yes. But Finland, you know what they did to fix the homeless problem? Oh, I know, I know. They gave them all jobs and made them force their way into gainful employment until they could afford their own home. The best way to cure poverty. They skipped those four steps and just gave them their own home, like a shelter. That's so easy. That's what's wait. See, yeah. anybody can just give out homes to people, but it takes a real country to make people stand up on their own two feet and find their own homes, Bobby. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps boot with straps. your mental illness. You know what? And if your boot doesn't have straps on it, you need to go out, you need to get some excess leather, sew the straps on those boots, and pull yourself up, okay? Yeah. And if you can't go out because you're sick and infirmed, then apparently you don't need to live. I've got leukemia. <laughs> Shut up. I have childhood cancer. Ugh. Jesus. Get get with the American program here. I was born with this disease. We need money. Yeah, money makes the world go round. And these Swedish people are looking in on our culture as if they know something. And we need to talk about that. 
damn these Swedes. No, not damn them, but like, damn Swedes. That's kind of what I meant. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. Swedes. Like, oh, what's going on here? This is technically a Swedish film. It is very technically a Swedish film. I think um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic stamps his seal of approval on it. It's pretty jam. Yeah. Now, who is that person? He's another soccer player from Sweden by way of Bosnia. <laughs> It all ties back to the beautiful game, people. Hashtag wrong channel. <laughs> you love, uh, you love that the old footy ball. I do, and I'm very upset that I can't really tie anything football related to this documentary because, quite frankly, it's so depressing. I'm gonna throw out all these notes. We're gonna talk about FIFA, which I yeah. know you could do. I could ad nauseum, but we we're talking about the Swedish eye on American black suffering. Yeah, from Black Power mixtape. Takes place but from 1967 to 1975. Directed by Goran Olsen, as I said. And let me tell you, Eldridge, in the past couple of years, I feel like the wiring of my brain politically has changed. I feel like... Oh, God, our group chat bears <laughs> that out. God. Now, I, I think all the elements that I deal with have always been there, mm -hmm. in a way. It's just now I kind of, like, understand things a little bit more or see things a little differently or... As I get older, kind of see what people are really needing and how things are and the, the hypocrisies of sometimes even uh, the places that I frequent, you know. God, just go ahead and say your hashtag white woke. It's okay. You can white say woke. It. White woke. Oh, I would never call myself woke. You would just use every other descriptor to say I am you not are. white woke. <laughs> I'm asking not to God. ever be called God. woke, actually. It, please send your letters to um Bob Sham, uh White Woke Inter Industries. He started it's really weird. He he's trying to deny this. And, but go ahead, yes. Okay. Look, you can call me what you want. <laughs> It's just not a thing you call yourself, you know. I will call myself woke here and now. I'm woke, guys. I'm oh, so yeah. fucking woke. Oh, yeah. I am very woke. You're woke? I am woke. Oh. Man, I'm telling you what. I get a cold. People are like, you want some NyQuil? I'm like, no, I'm woke. You know what? Now, this isn't documentaries anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking woke cast. It's, it's the, the woke cast. Boop, 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 boop. As long as we got each other. Welcome to WokeCast. Uh, we're the wokest motherfuckers on woke planet Earth. Well, the Earth isn't woke, but we're working on it. We're going to woke the shit out of it. Time to wake it up. And when it's waking up, it's woke. Welcome to WokeCast. We got each other sharing the We go to a diner owner. I think this is in Florida. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. This part. Already angry. Do you think he'd say this today? That he thinks that there's more freedoms in America today than anywhere and that it's easy to get by? Oh, God. Yes. I guarantee you he would still say that today. Yeah, you think so? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like the economics of things have... Uh, it used to be where things were so much more segregated. And look, man, I'm going to go off on my trip. Mm -hmm. It could be a new revolution, buddy. Because yeah. back then... Those old labor movements, they're all segregated, man. Yeah, of course. The country was so segregated. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest difference between then and now, man. Yeah, there was segregation then. There's not segregation now, man. I mean, look, I'm not saying there's not, <laughs> but it's a little harder for people to avoid each other, and especially in certain environments. I have access to a data set of public school enrollments in our fair city, and let me tell you, 
it looks like we're pretty segregated. Still. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> school wise, there's a, there's problems with that. I can go off on that. Go to a church. Charter schools. Go to a church. I'll tell you if we're segregated well, or not. And cemeteries are segregated. <laughs> yeah. Go to a cemetery. <laughs> Try to join a black Freemason unit. Anyways, I digress. I'm saying there's plenty of old <laughs> white people now that's be like, this sucks, except they blame an immigrant and mm-hmm. not the policies that they've been supporting oh, yeah. all their lives. Yes, it's true. Maybe they wouldn't say that today. You're right. I think if you're in the Rust Belt, if you are in this is what I'm saying. places like that, you're definitely going to think, well, I can't get a high-paying job right out of high school without learning an advanced skills. So All those abandoned buildings during this time, there were factories in them. Yeah, they're lost now. And, uh, and of course, when the the economics of things are ignored over the posturing, you know, the posturing's fine. But when you ignore the economic thing, it's just going to create that vicious cycle once again. The foundations for all the suffering. These Black Panther folk, quite lefty, I got to yeah. say. It's, yeah. it's like they're going after my heart. I almost thought if I wasn't white. <laughs> yeah. That they'd be talking If I wasn't so white woke You weren't so white woke man That would be Well they, they start things off nice With a member of The Last Poets I actually have one of their albums oh, At yeah. my home Yeah Oh yeah I remember yeah. Can't even pronounce the guy's name I think it's I can say his last name Oya Wole But uh First I mean, name No way They talk to a lot of people in this They do and freaking wait the, but the i'm sorry john forte's in this damn thing how in the heck do they get john forte <laughs> yeah and angela davis they talk about angela davis through mm-hmm. a lot of this and also angela davis is narrating yeah quest love question mark s love yes. yeah that's right in here yeah of course uh talib kwali because how are you going to do something like this and not have talib kwali in it harry belafonte yeah, makes an course, appearance yeah. erica badu oh, all kinds stuff. of uh figures in Important figures in black history and black thought. Some heavy hitters. But you never see them. Well, no. unless they're in the yeah, yeah. footage. Otherwise, they're just kind of the voice floating off. You don't even get to see their face. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, I do too. Because I know what most of these guys look like anyway. Yeah. They're not using a talking head. Even though it, in many other respects it would have been fine. They're not utilizing a talking head mm-hmm. to lead a narrative. They have the footage of shit happening. And I love that approach to it. They talk to that white diner owner. Then they go to another part of the town where 20% of this town is black residents. And they consist of everyday people like former soldiers and shit like that. And they ask them them the same question. And what do you think they said? They probably said that due to their service to their country, that they probably received a leg up and were able to pull themselves up by the... Mm, Wait, what? Oh, actually, no. Oh, I didn't see that part. What did they say? They said that they came back and they're uh, disrespected and they're just... And still coming back to these segregated social societies. Oh, boy. Treated. A lot of people were angry at soldiers when they came back from Vietnam. In a way, I could understand. I mean, we should really maybe spit on the dudes that sent them there, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, of course. But uh, imagine being that resentment and you're a black person. So Yeah, and you get nothing. Oyewole says something very interesting that I like. I mean, America is a possibility for everything. America is a young, dumb country, and, and it needs all kinds of help. America is a, a dumb puppy with big teeth that bite and hurt. And we, we, we take care of America. We, we hold America to our bosom. We feed America. We make love to America. We, there wouldn't be an America if it wasn't for black people. And so you have some dedicated black Americans who will die a million deaths to save America. Remember that movie Soul Man? Nope. In the 80s where <laughs> yeah. uh, that white dude 
went to college on a minority scholarship, so he painted his face. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, geez. Just the fact that we lived in a world where that came out in the 80s, Mm -hmm. and black people did not burn down every white house around them, shows that it's not this big... Yeah. (laughs) That there's not some big conspiracy against whiteness here. No, there's not. But there most definitely is a concentrated institutional conspiracy against people who are not of that subset of our country. And it's funny because you'll listen to guys like Alex Jones and shit, and they they will take what has happened to people of color for generations and hundreds of years and claim that it's happening to Alex, people like Alex Jones, who has built a multi-million dollar empire, who is being sued the shit out of Of right now. So of course. And we focus on a Mr. Stokely Carmichael. What a smooth-looking dude this guy is. Man, what a role model. Head, like, just the snick, got all that, the, all the good stuff. Man, calm, collected, very eloquent. Points out that a boycott is actually a passive political act when you refuse to provide profit to something. And in this case, he was referencing the bus system in the South mm-hmm. that segregated bus seats. That's right. But did they treat this boycott as peacefully as the no. boycott itself was? No. And we often see Stokely, I mean, because he's traveling all around Europe as well, but we often see him in a room full of white college students. Yeah. And Talib Kweli, he loves he loves him some Stokely Carmichael. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because white college students seem to be Talib Kweli's main uh, source of income. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, however you can get it. I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying. I think the point I'm trying to make there is we as black people understand that we are oppressed. The people you need to try to reach more so than anyone are the white people who are young and are about to go into positions of power. Yeah, it makes sense. They're going to be the ones that can help write our history, unfortunately. Our our fate is not in our hands as a downtrodden group. Of course, seeing how the the 80s gave way or the the swinging... Woke whites of the 60s gave way to the sellout 80s. How, so many turtlenecks were burned, let me tell you. How quickly can these lessons be lost? Yeah. Uh, but Talib pointed out something interesting. Even though the things he was saying were in direct opposition to the philosophy of Dr. King, he understood that Dr. King was still important. He understood the compassion. Um, the What struck me, though, is interesting that from his vantage point, Nonviolence and passive resistance was a non-option. It wasn't an option at all. Now in 2010, you can see how, you know, King and all of them who were influenced by Gandhi, how it did work, you know? The passive resistance of the bus boycott, it did work. But it would have never worked without people like Stokely Carmichael on the other side of it. They studied the passive resistance. He studied power and what power meant. I mean, you can be as peaceful as you want. That doesn't mean you're not going to get a nightstick upside the head. So you, so Stokely encouraged understanding the structures that put the boot on your neck. Right. And uh, in 1967, we have over a half a million soldiers in Vietnam. How did that go? How did that work out? I'm pretty sure that that extreme show of force combined with a concentrated bombing campaign probably lulled the north vietnamese into submission we had probably widespread surrender yeah. communism defeated yeah. so i'll just write that in my notes real quick i don't really pay attention there's still a hand much. in hand over there right now singing yeah i think that's again i don't really study history so i'm sure that's what happened we don't need to really cover this anymore so let's move on i love uh when <laughs> stokely's mother is there and he's talking basically yeah. talking about how proud she is of her oh my boy. god it's like she he asked her 
why were we poor when we were kids? Yeah, and yeah. the mom, it is if she could not bring herself to say because we were black and systematically oppressed. She was like, because we were poor, because your father was a carpenter, because he didn't make a lot of money. And he kept saying, well, why didn't he make a lot of money? Why were we poor? Why was he always getting laid off? And finally she said, well, it's because we were colored. Stokely is in Paris. We see him in Paris and he has been put on a federale list. Okay, yep. This is the Jagger Hoover days. Mm-hmm. Fascism. Pretty Fa- much, yeah. Stokely, he wrote words damning the feds. You know, it kind of drives me nuts now. I think, and maybe this only exists in the minds of the particularly reactionary, surely maybe more of the reactionary white variety, where we all hate Trump. And because Trump butts heads with the intelligence community from time to time, that in that we react into maybe being too oversighted into the intelligence community, I think we kind of need to remind ourselves the history of these intelligence communities. And really these are just power structures just attacking each other. Yeah, of course. 1968, Questlove talks. You're really naive if you truly think that Martin Luther King just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time at the Lorraine Motel and this random guy just came and shot and killed him. Mm -mm. Martin Luther King sort of had a change of heart. Martin Luther King was starting to take a more militant stronger position and his new battle was no war government's like whoa whoa wait wait he's about to come in our territory like it's one thing to let you take a shit in the same toilet that i do you know i'll give you that but you ain't about to stop my money flow uh you gotta go so i keep saying i mean race is definitely a true thing in our country but i think that more people would be afraid if disenfranchised blacks lower income blacks, disenfranchised whites, lower income whites band together and saw that they're not the ones keeping each other down. There's a system in place to keep a status quo. And there is definitely a b- different balances of privilege there and the system attacks in its own unique way for these cultures. But we can all realize that in some way or another, there's something that the, the, it's keeping us down by pitting us against each other. Exactly. The economic forces are keeping us, keeping uh, the education that we need at arm's length away. And these communities just don't have, and don't have an, often don't have an opportunity. Man, can you imagine every, all the poor people of any color coming together? That's fucking scary as shit to any power structure. Well, that's what unionization was about, but they've been so systematically, uh, pretty much defunded, uh, deconstructed, that there is no real place for the working person in this country. There is no advocate for them. No. And it just steady goes up the chain. So, I mean, that's just how it works. And, you know, there there was, remember that time when everyone was, there was a lot of shit saying like, oh, MLK would have been conservative. Remember when people were saying that shit? I I don't, but I'm not surprised someone (laughs) said it. Well, I, man, I poison myself. I always assume people are poisoning themselves with the, <laughs> the dumb shit that I see, but yeah. I think it's good you don't know that, but that sure. did go down for a minute. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. But it was just basically like a, he would never be a socialist, despite leading up to his death. A lot of speeches where he said that word, especially in regards to the economy and the war against poor people in the country yeah. and protesting the war. So what happens? Good evening. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 39 years old and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, 
and the leader of the nonviolent civil rights movement in the United States was assassinated in Memphis tonight. A sniper's bullet cut down Dr. King as he stood on a hotel balcony in Memphis. Within an hour, Dr. King was dead. That happened at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just like Medgar Evers, just like Martin, I mean, just like Malcolm X. I mean, the list goes on and on. Wrong place, wrong time, sniper's bullet. Yeah, speaking of Medgar Evers, during this period, I think it's this year alone leading up to 1968, MLK, RFK, Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, Medgar Evers, they all were killed. Yeah. Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, these are, they're on the ground floor of the Black Panther movement. That's right. The Black Panthers definitely were very well read in like socialist left-wing literature. I'd say so. And it's funny because I think um, people like Stokely Carmichael, people like the last poets were all very much influenced by, by these guys. And uh, Mike, Malcolm X, I mean, they're all kind of in the same sort of vein. And I just think it's, it's... I don't know. I think they all kind of had that mindset that Sophie Carmichael talked about where it's, you know, in order for nonviolence to work, your oppressor must have conscience. Yeah. And he's speaking very hyperbolically, but at the same time, maybe he's not. I mean, I, it seems like hyperbole, but clearly people don't have a conscience that they're doing these sort of things. Right. Or it's just amazing, like, honestly, that people could do terrible shit and somehow justify it in their brain. No one thinks they're the bad guy, you know? Yeah, this movie is a literal quote machine. What I think about the future, ain't there ain't no future. No, That's no. all it is to it. No future at all. There's a lot of black slums in Brooklyn. We get Swedish reports of what life is like in those slums. Right. A lot of this is, of course, in Swedish, too. You <laughs> yeah. get subtitles, so I won't play those part. But there is plenty of like uh, black intellectuals that speak, and we, yeah. you will, of course, hear a lot of that. As Stokely... Carmichael references the birth of this nation was conceived in the genocide of the red man genocide of the red man of the red man this is an inescapable part of our history as well and it's interesting I think like the way we co-opted seems like an odd way to deal with it but doing that is also in a way disrespecting it especially since there's so much knowledge that we've wiped away and even attempted all over even canada had this issue tried to integrate them into quote-unquote european culture yeah just like we did with those south of the border in mexico and south america where a complete civilization with stone buildings and anything that could rival the romans was pretty much destroyed there's one manuscript left that basically tells you how to write the alphabet which is a travesty for humanity i love the kids song the black panther kids oh in my class. god what, yeah i wrote that down because i was like these are some crazy lyrics here oh yeah I mean, I'll clip it, of course, but like <laughs> of the lyrics, like "fuck pigs" and shit. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different one. It was like "grab up the gun, shoot the pig" or something. Yeah, like that's that. it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> whoa, these kids are like hardcore. Hell yeah! I mean, I wish I maybe if they if we could go back in time and they knew how white woke I was, they let me hang out. In this <laughs> yeah, class. they'd be like, no, it was like pick up the gun, put the pig on the run. It was like part of the song. I was thinking, whoa, man, this is some definite last poets type lyrics here, man. Oh my god! Speaking of white woke. 
You've seen Forrest Gump, right? Sure have. We've all seen it. Yeah, everyone's seen it. You know that scene I'm mm-hmm. talking about, right? Where uh, Forrest Gump in his uh, Vietnam outfit, yeah. his soldier's gear, he goes to see Jenny. Jenny and me was just like peas and carrots again. She showed me around and even introduced me to some of her new friends. Shut that blonde man and get your white ass away from that window. Don't you know we in a war here? Mm-hmm. She's dating like the one white Black Panther the in this room guy. full of Black Panthers. Yeah, the one guy. And then the white Black Panther slow motion slaps Jenny. He should not be hitting you, Jenny. Yeah. Remember when we thought that movie was, maybe you didn't, but like mm-hmm. I remember being a kid like, whoa, this movie's deep. Mm-hmm. Only a kid would think this movie's deep. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I, I like that movie now because it just seems so ridiculous when you go through the yeah. beats in history that it's taught. It's almost like he a, was everywhere. Forrest Gump is like a comedy. I just didn't know. Yeah. Like it's like a joke. Yeah, it's like you have a guy. I mean, anytime that you have a normal person playing a person with developmental delays, that's always going to be problematic. Yeah. <laughs> What's eating Gilbert funny. Grape? You know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, sure, let's give this guy an Oscar for this shit. I mean, Forrest Gump, for you younger listeners out there, that shit was in the theaters for like a year and a half. Yeah. If people liked a movie back in our, when we were younger, yeah. it would never leave the theater. No, just keep going. Like Jurassic Park was probably in the theater for like two years. We've got to get that straight to Netflix deal going. Yeah, and now even if it's a huge hit, you'll see it in DVD. Oh, in yeah, like, you'll see like it. Two months. Because you got to have the box set. You got to have the Criterion Collection. You got to have all that good stuff. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. The Black Panther, they talk about collecting armaments against the forces of capitalism that are keeping their communities down. And how can anyone with a knowledge of American history find this to be in any way shocking? No, not at all. It's like finding out you punch a dude in the face every goddamn day and then like next week come back to school being shocked that he has on like hockey gear and a fucking bat ready to greet your ass it's like what are you doing with all that stuff i just want to punch you in the face this is second amendment yeah in action second amendment at its finest this isn't this the most positive aspect of the second amendment This is the most positive the very essence of the second amendment take up arms to fight an oppressor but wait a minute they just i think the uh the fox news variety they only (laughs) really uh mean the whites they mean the whites well i mean you can only be an oppressor if, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But we, we all understand what's happening here. I'm a very liberal guy, but I'm also a very, I'm not like, I'm not an anti-gun guy. No, same here. I'm not. I'm just not. I, I love weaponry. I think like in putting up a lot of like gun control laws, there's certain things that I think are common sense. Like if you have a history of domestic violence, maybe it should be a little difficult for you to get a gun, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that's just showing a history of violence. But I mean, a lot of these will just, a lot of these gun control regulations will just be used to affect minority communities, communities that are already marginalized. They're, it's yeah. not going to, it's like drugs. Look at drugs. Drugs are everywhere. But where do they go to attack drugs and beat people and take their drugs yeah it ain't the white neighborhoods no except for the trailer parks yeah they'll go there yeah it's it's all the same i mean socioeconomically people in trailer parks are like uh you know a well-to-do uh black businessman stokely goes into hiding because the feds want his ass and what is he doing he's just talking man yeah all he's doing is talking but it's funny because at this point i mean you see the again the dismantling of the black power structure. You have most of the founders of the Black Panthers on trial, in exile, about to be killed. You have um, major leaders left and right. Shot, 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 shot. So it's just, what are we doing here? 1970, 
the feds go full COINTELPRO on the Black Panthers. It is a full-on agenda. They, uh, oh, they're not, they're not allowed to have their Second Amendment. It makes them scary. They're talking about things like socialism. They call the free breakfast program one of the most dangerous things in American society. All the free breakfast program is, is literally feeding neighborhood kids. Which is pretty much done by most uh, major school systems in this country now. Yeah, and churches will do this, yeah. too. But the Black Panthers do it. It's just feeding fucking kids in the neighborhood. Well, you're indoctrinating children, you see. Oh, well, they do (laughs) sing those cool songs (laughs) about picking up guns and shooting pigs. Well, look, after you watch as much police body cam footage as I have, I mean, can you blame them? No, and they they really lay all this out well, which is why the documentary is so uh, engaging. You get a different viewpoint. I think it's interesting that they're coming at it from the sweetest point of view because, in a way... They are looking at it from this unfiltered view, this view that is free of the taint of being so embedded in American racism and class structure. There's uh, 1970 DNC riots. Now, this is might be a little something that's interesting. I think maybe some attitudes are changing, but the idea that like you would riot uh, the DNC today, and it's not the right wing rioting the DNC. Yeah, it's the left. Yeah, because there's some changes happening. And it seems like this institution isn't coming along quite as quickly. Sure. It's hard not to see some kind of parallels in terms of things seem pretty divided. And some people, I don't know, I think there's like a reason for it. And depending on who you would support, it just seems like there are things that people seriously need. And people need to get serious about working their ass off to help people do them. But the idea that like there's a riot at the DNC and it doesn't have anything to do with the right wing folk because they're off at their own butthole somewhere yeah. because shit needs to change. Mm-hmm. Could we get another DNC riot, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, who knows? I mean, we already have people rioting about everything else. Well, not rioting, getting concerned, con- very concerned nowadays, which all it's only a step away. Maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Maybe we need <laughs> a little like, people need to burn off some energy, man. Something. I don't know. Angela Davis is third on the FBI's most wanted list. Oh my gosh. When I hear Angela Davis speak, it is very hard not to just feel some type of way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was just like just she's just so poised and eloquent and full of this contained rage which Look, I'm not trying to objectify Angela Davis. She's a very I smart intelligent woman, but there's that bit of contained rage behind her eyes and the passion in her voice is very interesting to me as a person it's just i think i know exactly uh what you're what you're talking about i think the way you felt with angela davis is have you ever seen the documentary the punk singer nope kathleen hannah who was in this punk group bikini kill this ultra feminist left heard of them yeah and i watched this documentary and this woman saying all these things and being so white woke (laughs) and like saying like Hardcore left-wing feminist ideology. Right. And I'm sitting here the whole time just going, she's so fucking hot. Yeah. It's, God it's damn, really she's hard. she's so hot. Yeah. There's nothing like knowing that someone's going to keep you in your place. I know, right? It was yeah. like, yeah, Kathleen Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, and yeah. El- Eldridge Cleaver, who your dad named you after. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is uh, hiding in Algeria, right? Or I don't know if he's hiding. He's just in Algeria. Just there because Algeria is like, oh, you're going to stick it to these people in America? Cool. Let's come over here. Huey Newton is on his way to a trial. It's 1971. The Black Panthers are founded in Oakland. There's also trials against Bobby Seale and Angela Davis. 13 other Black Panthers are on trial. The feds are doing absolutely anything and everything. And 
local cops in certain cities, especially places like Chicago, are fucking going hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fred Hampton was shot in his home. They, yeah. they busted into his house. There's You can see images of just bullets going one way in a bedroom. Yeah, yeah. But Huey is free, posted Bell at $50,000. There's this cool song called Live to Fight Another Day. I'd never heard it before. I just wanted to mention that so I could remind myself to look it up and play it. Don't give me the run around. I want bad news right away. Something different in my hometown. Feel like I got nowhere to stay. So I live to fight another day. Live to fight another day. I should say, great music, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic music all throughout this. Good pacing as well, I'd have to say. It doesn't feel like a chore to watch. No, no. It this was, can happen sometimes with documentary. <laughs> this documentary kind of got me revved up. Yeah, oh yeah. I was, it kind of got me I feeling. Feeling a different type of some type of way <laughs> watching I, this. Yeah, like, it was like making me want to like go out to the streets. And you understand, watching this documentary helps me to understand why these people were who they were. Like, when I hear Angela Davis, when I hear uh, Stokely Carmichael speak in, in these, like, I see how that would appeal more to a younger person. I get the importance of Dr. King. I feel like he was older, wiser, was more connected to the older black power structure, being the church and like the old parts of the community. So he was trying to appeal to them. So we're talking about this uh, necessary two parts of, of a puzzle, you know? So you have King, but then you have these other people who are so engaged and energetic and are very smart in their own right, just with different philosophy. You get why these people had so many followers. In a way, they were also still kind of politically connected in a certain way. I mean, there's different levels of it, but I feel like a lot of things that all these people are saying, especially MLK, yeah. and you know the way Malcolm X even evolved in, in his presentation and thinking, it kind of seems like that a lot of what they're talking about is popular now. In a yeah. lot of ways. And it, it's really, it really bugs me because the parts that seem to be like naysaying these, these ideas that frankly aren't old, they've been around for a long time, seems to be not only words from the right, you always expect them to be like full of a bag of dicks. Sure. But like elements within what claim to be on your side on the left. And it, it, I feel like it drives me fucking crazy. Like it seems like when things are in view, we, we believe in something in, in certain safety, but when it seems like things really could change, that we kind of like find excuses around it for some reason. Yeah, and Martin Luther King was not this universally beloved figure amongst the black community even in his day when he was alive. I mean, again, we are not a monolith black folks as no. a people. And so there are people who, frankly, had wanted nothing to do with them, thought he was a troublemaker, thought they were going to get them all killed and stuff. So while they were very popular, they still had their own internal divisions. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, and especially in polit- like older black folk now are feeling very strongly about Joe Biden. Yeah. Pretty much all the most of the <laughs> minority support is split between two candidates. And interestingly yeah. enough, that's right. But Joe Biden seems to cater to the elderly idea of minorities, whereas uh, another guy, Mr. Bernard, more of the hmm. younger, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Pete Buttigieg, so. zero. Sorry. Yeah, Pete. zero. You ain't getting shit votes There's, from us. There no is a reason. If let me tell you, if if you get like less than one percent minority support, <laughs> yeah, cut them loose, folks. Yeah, just don't hang on that. Yeah, you cannot win an election in this country without our support. That's right. And there's also Democrats, and may, that is. And let's also consider that there's good reason why he doesn't have this. Yeah, there's no. This isn't just. This is 
purely based on his policy and past experience. So. Yes, former yeah. jobs. Look it up, yo. Yeah. Look it up. Go for it. Go for it. Here for it. What do you think the biggest uh, magazine uh, during this time was in America? Oh, probably like Time. <laughs> no. No, Time Magazine, bro. Keep guessing. Okay, okay. I, that was done. That was Newsweek. Oh, this, uh, was, I don't know if Newsweek was around. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. I know. National Geographic. Well, that's a great guess. Seems like everyone has those. No. Okay, wait. I'll just do some dumb pissant, just bullshit magazine nobody really cares about. It's just... Stuff you line your, I don't know, like TV Guide. That's it. TV what? Guide was the biggest selling This is selling an outrage. Magazine. I know I saw this in the movie, but I think I blocked that shit out. <laughs> so I was like, how are we doing this as a country? They got that tower in LA. It looks like it's from like 1975. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TV Guide claims, because this is definitely TV Guide's place to do yeah, so. TV Guide. Uh, Meryl, what is his name? Meryl Pennant? Yeah, I didn't. The editorial director for TV Guide magazine. The number one magazine in the United States of America. <laughs> At this time, uh, he says that Sweden is anti-American. You know why they're anti-American, Bobby? Why? Because they report facts. I know. Why are you reporting all it's these like, facts? It's like, look, look, sure. Facts can be subjective. Facts can be objective. But all I know is all they report is the negative facts. They ask him, how do you define anti-American? And he's like... I would define it as emphasizing only negative aspects of America. And none of the positive ones. Yeah. You're not taking pictures of... Uh, Martha Maple's prize apple pies. My whole thing is, look, America is a lot like me. I'm a product of America. And I personally, I walk out the door, I'm just thinking, looking pretty good there, Eldridge. Feeling good. Yeah, walking down the street. You're looking good, buddy. And then I'm not in my head thinking, ah, damn, it's like, probably should have shaved. Ah, you know, I should have put some oil on my hair. I'm not doing that. Neither is America. America's just like, we're doing good. So we need someone to come in and say, hey, guys, why don't you shave your damn beard? Why don't you put some lotion on, America? America's like a coke addict that thinks everything it's saying is amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is great. This is great, guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're looking like, God, that dude is oh, yeah. so coked oh, yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so yeah. coked up right now. Like, no, 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 we're cool. No, no, we're cool. No, 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 and you're like, hey, hey, guys, this dude, America is so coked up right now. I just agree with everything America says. Well, just go away, please. Come on, bro. Come on. Like, okay, okay, here's America. Just let him go to the bathroom. Just as soon as he goes, we'll just get out of here. We'll just get out. We'll take all of our like rights and stuff. We'll just go away before America tries to take them, guys. Come on, let's go. Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? It's like, no, no, go, go to America. Go, uh, go to the bathroom, America. We're cool. We're right. just hanging out. Just, right. Yeah, just, yeah, just take a gun and just keep the gun holstered, America. You don't need your gun <laughs> out right now, guy. George Jackson was yeah. one of the sole dad brothers. He was killed at San Quentin, and that sparked a riot at Attica. 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 Wait, what? Wait. Are we saying Attica or Gattaca? Because Gattaca was an awesome sci-fi movie. I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen it. <sighs> what? Hmm. I'll check it out. So we're talking about Gattaca? Attica. Attica. The prison that rioted over injustices and mistreatment. Right. And when you hear their demands, because I'll, I'll admit, when I first heard Prison Riot, I'm thinking, okay, guys, you're in prison, okay? Calm the fuck down. But demands for a shower every day, look. Whoa, 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 whoa. Toothbrushes. Come on, Whoa, bro. are you serious? It sounds like in America at this time, everybody was pissed about everything all the time. Everyone was ready to riot, even the prisoners. Now, Eldridge. Yeah. Did these people commit crimes? A lot of them probably did. Can you, you can really justify spending money on people who commit crimes? And see, that's what, that's the rub here. Because this guy, 
Going back to Merle Panitz, the editorial director of TV Guide, talking about Sweden. Great man. This guy's talking about how great America is. Do we have our problems? Yes, but America's a great country. If we are so great, and this is talking, this is going back to many of the things that the previous um, heroes of the movement talk about. If we are so great, we can provide these bare necessities for prisoners. No one should be hungry. No one should be without a roof over their head because we are the mighty America. Our military budget alone is greater than the GDP of probably half the nations in this country. So, hey, toothbrushes, guy, my guy, get these people some showers. Sorry, we need tanks that the that generals say they don't need. We and need then you wonder why they riot. And it's not just the prisoners that are affected when these folks riot. There are good, honest, hardworking Americans who are guarding these prisoners. Yeah. And they need protection, too. And the way you help protect them is making sure that the people in prison aren't so jacked up and deprived that they want to slit someone's throat in power. Don't worry. I got a plan. We're going to privatize these prisons Ah, and pay those guards like even less. Yeah, that's probably the best way. Cool. Because if it's privatized, then we make money and then that money gets taxed, right? right. And then that tax money goes to the poor community. And there's no loopholes that can keep these people from getting out of the taxes. So let's not decriminalize any drugs. Don't decriminalize them. We just need to go hard on these folks. Because let's face it, if these people are going to ride over a shower, who knows what they're going to do about being institutionally oppressed for their whole lives. So, of course, we got to put more people in there. In fact, officers, uh, just line up your little baggie of meth and cocaine. You're going to need to plant these on people, preferably in poor neighborhoods. Yeah, preferably. We got quotas to fill. And they're they're not going to have the funds to make bail. Yeah. So they can stay in the system indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah, It was a very eye-opening experience. I mean toothbrushes i don't know why that was so shocking to me but i was like bruh people need to brush their teeth they're gonna get cavities a lawyer representing the uh prisoners who has been going in and out yeah this dude has got great hair by the way yeah he admitted it was kind of scary at first but he was like well no they just need to be heard accuses the governor of murder 40 something people were killed our inmates and then eight guards were killed, and they tried to say, oh, these inmates started killing them as soon as they rushed in. No, all of them were killed by the people who stormed the, the prison. Yeah. Uh, John Forte is talking around this time. Yes. Good old John Forte. I can't look at the Attica uprising without imagining myself there or without taking into account my own experience with prison. And I know that from the inside out, I never lost my humanity, my, my decency. No matter how many times I felt encaged and felt like I was treated as as an animal over the course of of my own incarceration. So I can't look at Attica and not sympathize with those prisoners and those inmates who wanted to be treated more decently for whatever reason. It's a question of dignity and decency. 1972. Questlove talks. He, He talks about how ignorance is the worst crime and he mentions Woolworths. Oh, we have a Woolworths in town. Isn't that, uh, wasn't he referencing a Nashville segregation story <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah. Where, um, Woolworths black... is back, baby. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's trendy, it's man. It's trendy. You get a 13, nice. 14, 15, $16 cocktail, baby. Yeah, baby. Sit at that lunch counter, baby. Food was pretty good, I would. Yeah, think. it was pretty good. I've been there too. But Woolworths, <laughs> uh, black, uh, civil rights activists, mostly black, sat down at the yeah, bar that's right. in segregated Nashville and refused to move. Mm. And there's infamous pictures that you can see. Right there on Fifth Avenue. Of people like dumping their drinks and shit on people's heads. And Don't shit. worry, it's the Avenue of the Arts now. It's all okay now. Yeah, yeah. now it's nice and expensive. Yeah. So all people can come in. Yeah, man, you can get yourself a $6 latte down there now. 
shit. Get yourself some $10 avocado toast with some toasted nuts and slivers of red onion. God, you know, $6 latte is really only like $2 more than the average. Hell, it's probably not that far off, really. Or you can just get yourself a lovely espresso maker. Get yourself some solid beans. Grind them up and just make them yourself at home. It's a fraction of the cost. Yeah. And it's going to be better. 15 bar pump pressure. Gives your coffee the perfect taste and the perfect balance with the froth milk. You pour it on in. You make yourself a little latte art design in your own home. And you are saving money. And you don't have to patronize Woolworths. Also, get a nice French press. If you haven't used it, it'll change your life. Just use a French press. Elaine Brown, Black Panther. Regarding the goals of the evolving nature of the Black Panthers. We're leaving the 60s where they were strong. And their ideas were big enough to kind of influence things even to this day. Again, free school breakfast, free yeah. school lunch. Yeah. A country like America, that should be a given. Yeah. No, that's the most dangerous organization the in the country. dangerous in the country. Not every aspect of the Black Panthers was the same. Some guys are just fucking angry for understandable reasons. Other yeah. people are just trying to educate their children. That's right. And drugs were starting to ramp up in the 70s. They just were, just, it's weird. It's like right around this time of all the assassinations and everything, drugs just happened to start pouring into these communities. Yeah. It's very, just really sad, the it coincidence. It very easy for people yeah. in these communities to get drugs. That's yeah, like kilos upon kilos, probably tons of drugs just flowing in unchecked in the country. It's just, it's weird timing. It's really unfortunate that just happened to happen during this time. I've got a, but here's a solution. Let's yeah. imprison them. Yeah, that will help. Remember will the help. private prison thing yeah private prison. yeah that's it's, it's really it's, yeah. it's all circle yeah. fisting I'm, yeah i'm glad that we can finally come to this conclusion as a country now elaine brown is talking about angela davis angela day saying that angela davis isn't necessarily connected to the current form of the black panther it seems like the black panthers are trying to be like a, a very philosophical educational group right now again. i think they're trying to move away from and it's funny again you see all the drugs porn community right around the same time you see all the prominent leaders making the shift at the same time from Black focus, militant focus to community. They go from black power to power to the people. Angela Davis, full-on communist. This is a huge threat to the established power system in the country. That that is no joke. That is a huge threat to the established powers. We had a whole red scare about this shit. You know who was Joe McCarthy's, like, lapdog? I don't know. Who's that? Robert F. Kennedy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now, Robert seemed to change uh, quite a bit post his brother's assassination. That he has that very memorable speech after MLK was assassinated. That actually sound it sounds very sincere. Yeah. But we always kind of forget about this aspect of the Kennedys. And yeah. I feel like, you know, the Kennedys were probably ahead of their time in their time. But, like, I feel like we do project a lot onto them. The mob killed them. The mob killed them. Probably. Maybe. Or the government. But they weren't maybe killed for the same reasons that, like, Fred Hampton was no, killed. No, of course or, not. Or uh, Eldridge Cleaver, you know. They were killed for being in the mob themselves and trying to go so legit and getting somebody pissed off. Also, yeah, Angela Davis is uh, also involved in this trial. I should point out that Reagan, Ronald Reagan, is the governor of California at this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy who uh, started our nice, long decline of unions. The ever-increasing war on drugs, which is basically a war on poor people. And then you had the, then, oh, 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 Bill Clinton helped with some, like, international plans. They seemed good at first. Seemed like the economy was making money, but no one asked where that money in the economy was going. Yeah, let's make it easy to just ship that stuff right on in. And a slow death of the Rust Belt there, and then we cut into war on terror time, and now everything's surrounded by that reactionary nature. Yeah, yeah. 
God, it's like everyone's in on it, man. Yeah. Come on. Come on, people. Jonathan Jackson, the brother of one of the Soldad brothers who was killed, pulled a gun out in the courtroom. Yeah, for Andrew Davis's trial. That shit was crazy. Yeah, and took some witnesses hostage, and he was killed in a shootout. He killed the judge. Damn. Yeah, the judge died, too. Look, well, hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I feel bad for him. I mean, he's just doing his job. Look, we're we all have we're all sons of mother, children to mothers, and we're all human. Yeah, no one deserves to die. But maybe if you perpetuate a corrupt system, yeah, and that, and that uh, United States government, I just again want to distance myself from uh, Bobby. <laughs> from, from I just I have no part of his Look, statements. No, no, I was the Nazi <laughs> that delivered the mail. I didn't have anything to do with those camps. Look, I rock Adidas to this day because I know that Adolf Dossler, Adi Dossler, I mean, he wasn't really a hardcore Nazi. He was like, I had to do it because everyone was doing it. Yeah, I was surviving, bro. It's not like Puma. The dude that ran Puma, his brother, hardcore Nazi. Really? Yeah. Wow. They were brothers, and his brother was a hardcore Nazi, and Adidas dude was just saying, you know what? Can I? Can you guys just like not kill me? And I now, mean, yeah. And now you see those brands on brown people all over the world? Yeah, that's right. I mean, hell, I stood by when my government started a unjust war against the Middle East for, like, decades at a time. And, yeah. I mean, technically, I guess we're evil people. I mean, I got it, especially the Iraq thing. I wasn't into it, but no one seemed to care, and it seemed like a lot of our... I mean, you weren't in the resistance, Bobby. <laughs> I lived on a military base. I wasn't shooting people, no. <laughs> Neither was the Nazi mailman. <laughs> he was just delivering the mail. What about the janitor on the Death Star, Bobby? <laughs> He's, he does have kids. Independent contractors. Finn. He was just the cleaning guy. Look, we just need to make the power structures pay. The yeah, that's right. Pay. That's right. But sometimes there's collateral damage. We hear the voice of Angela Davis, too. And in my case, when I think about the fact that uh, Ronald Reagan was the governor of California, Richard Nixon was the president of the U.S., the whole apparatus of the state was set up against me. Um, they had all of their resources and the FBI, the police, and they really meant to send me to the death chamber in order to make a point. It really didn't matter who I was, or it was that I was a very uh, convenient figure to make a point that they would suppress any efforts at revolution and liberation. I saw her speak at Vanderbilt in high school. That's cool. Humble brag. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we also get a little bit of her intellectual history. A lot of cred. Yo, when I heard that, I was so impressed. The fact, I mean, she got her doctorate studying Kant's works about violence in the French Revolution. Emmanuel Kant, by the way. So studying him in high school, too. Another humble brag. But go on. A reporter, a Swedish reporter. Yeah. Says, do you approve of violence? Ugh. And Angela's like taken aback by the question. That's when I just, my heart melted. Oh, is that the question you were asking? Yeah. See, that's, I mean, that's another thing. When you talk about a revolution, most people think violence. Um, without realizing that the real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for, not in the way you reach them. On the other hand, uh, because of the way this society is organized, because of the violence that exists on the surface everywhere, you have to expect that there are going to be such explosions. You have to expect things like that as reactions. If you are a black person and live in, 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 in the black community all your life, and walk out on the street every day seeing white policemen surrounding you, I 
When I was living in Los Angeles, for instance, long before the situation in L.A. ever occurred, uh, I was constantly stopped. No, the, the, the police didn't know who I, who I was, but I was a black woman, and I had a, had a natural, and, and they, I suppose, thought that I might be a, quote, militant. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, um, uh, and, then, and then you ask me, you know, whether I approve of violence. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Why are we the only ones that get this question? And her accent was just it's so unique. Like, oh, the accents back then, but her she, accent was so great. She's from Alabama. Yeah, just that old school black Southern accent. Mm. Angela's release, not my wife, Angela Davis, was released after 18 months. Yeah. I guess. It had no evidence. Nothing. Keep in mind, they said she was third most wanted in the country. Yeah. There's probably, I don't think we'd invented the word serial killer at this time, but there were people, there's way more than top 10 people out there murdering people. There are people with body counts higher than a lot of people have had sex. Yeah, yeah. 1973. (laughs) What? I mean, that's the first thing I can think of. You you haven't heard people say, hey, what's your body count? Guess what changes in 1973? Everything's in color. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. So you can see the poverty better. Yeah, it's more clear. Uh, they talk to this dude, Louis H. Michelle. He owns a bookstore in Har- Harlem. Yeah. This dude seemed great. Yeah, he was a cool dude. And his bookstore has the most black literature in it. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X was the smartest uneducated. You see, Malcolm X, they could find nobody with no degree of PhD could debate him on truth. And naturally, this country can't stand truth. Now, I was lecturing the other day down in this same cellar, and a gang of little black boys came in. They held up the fist, talking about black power. I said, look, son, I'd like to straighten you out. I said, black is beautiful, but black isn't power. Knowledge is power. For you can be black as a crow, you can be white as snow, and if you don't know and ain't got no dough, you can't go, and that's for sure. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not alive anymore. No, he's definitely not alive. I wonder if he's got any family still. Oh, sure. The store. Maybe. And he talks about how knowledge is power. The white man that landed here, he came with two great weapons. One is the Bible and the other was the gun. If it didn't humble you with the Bible, it crumbled you with the gun. And he's still praising the Lord and passing the ammunition all over the world. A Black Panther by the name of Sada Shakur is charged with the murder of five cops. Mm-hmm. Name sounds familiar. Shakur. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Probably not important. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does it connect with anything? Maybe nah. even a movie regarding a rapper we talked about earlier in the month? No, nah, probably not. Nah, probably not. Just keep on going. Keep it pushing. Courtney Callender. Listen up, uh, woke white people. Yeah. To what Courtney Callender has to say. He talks about how fads of black culture are inherently racist. Oof. Can you ex- This was, this is that some was, shit. That was, yeah, I have to admit, that was, I was like, okay, you're hitting now. This so, movie's hitting. This whole kind of, of uh, falling in love with black black things for a short period of time is essentially racist. It, it still is hypothesized on, on a great sense of separateness and a sense of treating black activities as a kind of a curiosity either benign or threatening one or the other. When it's threatening, 
you know, it, it, oh my God, they're going to riot or something. And when it's benign, let's let's let them paint or draw or sing or dance or whatever they want to do uh, until we get tired of them. Until you know, we the white community get tired of it. Uh, and that that whole structure is is essentially racist. Almost like it's a bobble that yeah. you just hold for a time. Yeah. And and it, and the, this is a tricky thing because there's plenty of uh, black music I love. Yeah. And I don't see myself ever not loving it. I think that what this person is getting at is when it becomes like a passing trend that becomes fetishized. Yes. You know what I mean? Kind of like how it's just the fetishization of culture where. It's like, oh, but do you have this one rare? It's like, I just love black stuff, man. And you know, come on, man. You don't do that. <laughs> I think I, I think a lot of ways I uh, criticize liberals is that they seem to be somewhat smug and self-congratulatory over very little. Yes. And sometimes I wonder, like, why don't they just brag that they're not serial killers, you know? It's... I haven't killed a single person <laughs> my whole life. I haven't worn anyone's skin, ever. Yeah. yeah, I haven't made a lampshade out of skin my entire life. But that's interesting, and I definitely am going to put that in there, because yeah. that's some deep shit. That's the kind it of was. shit we're going to get into the grass here. And then when they go off and they show the, I can't tell if they're German or Swedish, but that tour bus, and like, this is the black ghetto for the blacks, and... Well-to-do black people don't even go in here. Yeah. For fear of being mugged. We don't want you going and journeying here. For it's too dangerous. A bus tour of 70s Harlem. Jesus, man. Alphabet City, baby. And the drug epidemic has fucking destroyed. It's getting set up real nice for the 80s drug war to come and, like, just truly control and marginalize it. That's what they've been setting up for since COINTELPRO started. Harlem at one point, was like a renaissance center of the world. It wasn't the most well-to-do, but you had that thriving culture there. There was original, yes, there was definitely some oppression going on, but, and th- this is what's interesting, the foundations of our greatest art, the our, our, go through the history of our thinkers, especially in music, like the roots of American music, it all stems from poverty and struggle. Yeah. And I think in our modern context, we've tricked ourselves into thinking like, Oh, we need to have a master's degree to be able to understand and execute these kind of things. Sure. And this, it just seems very imbalanced. It seems like you're giving it to a certain class subset. I think these people also mean well and genuinely respect these things, but they may not realize that they're kind of making these things more exclusionary. In many ways, I... I take it you're speaking about jazz in particular and fine art. I think those are fine. Yeah, fine examples. Yeah, and the way I look at that is further another way to make a fetish out of this culture. Because, sure, jazz was a defining music that, as we look back, for black culture. You have jazz and you have blues. And then you have the, the sort of academic pursuit of those art forms. Academic to the point that it is inaccessible. Acknowledging that these art forms are firmly rooted in the black community and finding reverence in them, while at the time of their creation were very counterculture. So you see that part, but then you see an utter shunning of the current art and music that is created by that same culture of people. Yes. Because it's being used now. It's current now. It speaks to what is happening now. Yes. And so again, we're talking about how if it is relevant to black people, then the culture at large doesn't want it unless they can somehow make it a novelty something that's easy to digest yeah it definitely comes in these cycles when rap first appeared there's a lot of people complaining about like it wasn't real music yeah and now we're getting like evolved styles of rap and there's a lot of these soundcloud rappers i don't like but there's actually two or three i actually do yeah and now you get people 
of old school rap mentality being like, this isn't this. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff just sounds like 90s Memphis rap. Like, yeah. I don't understand why people don't mention that more. It seems pretty obvious. And people are so quick to shit on SoundCloud rappers. Like, oh, I know the SoundCloud rapper. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But have you heard the numerous Bandcamp bedroom pop indie garage bullshit Absolutely. noise out the ass? And it's like, yo... You're going to talk about this shit, but you're not going to call out any of this wanking off on guitar for five <laughs> minutes for the sake of some throwback rock and roll shite? And as someone who actually appreciates a lot of oh, that I do stuff, too. I, do too. <laughs> I can honestly say, yes, there is no shortage of it. There's no shortage if, of if we stop, rock. If we stop playing rock and roll right now, there's still plenty of rock that we would still like yeah. uncover. There's still a bunch of shitty rock. It's like there's shitty rap. It's just another illustration of everything that this, well paced well shot thoughtfully edited documentary talks about i think another aspect before we move deeper into it is another aspect of like of uh, elitist power structures taking control of art forms is in the television and film industry sure. specifically the industries i'm not talking about people out there and the shit but it still takes like some resources to execute the shit like of course. this internship programs yeah they're often um unpaid unpaid were you able to work like hours and hours of an internship without getting paid could you afford that when you were in college i personally could not it was either i had money or i didn't well i could because i lived in a very cheap place <laughs> well there were times where i cried to my grandma for some money yeah maybe some bills i had those moments in my early 20s yeah as did i but but the the average person cannot spend hours and hours and hours at a place with little to no pay not everybody goes to a podunk town to get their education at a very modestly priced university what happens is that the people who are filling these positions and are going on to learn a lot of these positions to become directors or producers sure. or or filmmakers or working in television or writers or whatever are people that are well-to-do or have enough resources to where they don't, where they can get away with working for free for several years. Yeah, it's a real thing. I mean, I've seen many a business and the interns coming in are usually from the private schools in the city where I am and... That's just how it goes. Not, not no, to, no offense to the people that are coming through. That's just life is lucky for them. And the thing, I just think even if you're like a rich kid, I think you should be getting paid if you're holding a camera for exactly. the CBS morning news. Exactly. And maybe, but that should also help to focus on like skills as opposed to standing. Yeah. But that's a fine example. So what results in that is that when, when you get movies, especially television's the worst about this. When you get right. television... Being like, this sitcom's about girls who live in New York and they don't have any money. Mm -hmm. It's being written by people who have no idea what it's like to live that life. That's right. And so the representation is definitely important, both in the hiring and in the writing. But also, I mean, having this point of view from the Swedes looking in, you can kind of see some of these structural faults in the system. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see how many of these people were tying it to a larger issue in the country where it's bigger than your ethnicity. It is definitely bigger than that. The true problem is economic. Yeah. And there's just no way around that. It is economic. That is the base. If you ignore yep. that, the same, same thing is going to be happening again and again. You might get moments of a reprieve, but you just it's a short-term solution until you actually deal with that. Then don't, don't we as a nation want to truly take care and house people who have mental health struggles? To keep people with mental health issues safe? Don't we as a people do not want to see people who can't make bail get out of prison? Is it that big a deal? Is it really that big a deal that someone in a prison system can't find some comfort or some peace of mind? They have to 
be tr- look uh, we understand that they probably did a crime but a lot of this is like well everything about this documentary tells you that yes it is a problem and the reason it's a problem is because the majority of people who are in prison are black yeah. and the ma- a large majority of the people who find themselves in these economic situations at least in in many places happen to be black but overall i mean when you look at it non-black folks make up the majority of of, food, of snap benefits they make up the majority of of these type of programs yes and so while we have the system in place that is meant to put down a perceived less than group that system ends up hurting everybody that yes. is in that status black white asian native american whatever you want to call yourself everyone is affected by that solely because the dominant power structure is saying that this one group is lazy you can't give them benefits there's no it's not a coincidence that you see countries like Sweden that have these great benefits, all those Scandinavian countries, all the Central European countries, Northern, Western European countries have such great benefits because they're in a homogenized society. The moment you introduce this other element and someone says they are mooching, that's when they can say, well, no benefits for anyone because these people will mooch. And when you got someone who's receiving those benefits that votes for those people who want to cut these benefits, that just shows that we're in full-blown disease mode. Yeah. So I think the documentary really did a good job of, and I think it's because it was Swedish, it was so measured. There was no outrage. All they did was show people talking, and that did the job. Yeah. I like the doctor uh, who's who, when asked about the drug epidemic, goes, I'm frustrated all the time by what I see and wonder when it'll end and if it ever will end. I'm frustrated by um, Whitey's uh, contributions. His contributions are usually drugs, which uh, bring to me youngsters of my race, young people. This is what is so frustrating. These these are pre-teenagers, 13 to 15, dead from overdose. Even then, there was no bones about why this shit was all here. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Hoover, that motherfucker Hoover. Yeah, by the 70s, everyone everyone knew what was going on. Now, the 60s, it was about a revolutionary thought. And the 70s was about fucking drugs and partying. 70s was about survival. Speaking of someone you might struggle to to agree with, but I do find him very fascinating. Mm-hmm. A fellow by the name of Louis Farrakhan. God... Damn, if you didn't look good back in the day. He was a was sharp, a sharp, attractive man. I was look, like, all right, I see you. The nation knows how to put it on. Yeah, they know how to pick a charismatic, uh, good-looking leader. But Louis Farrakhan, you can predict what he's going to say. If you know mm-hmm. a little bit about oh, him, yeah. Whites of the Devil. My dad used to watch him all the time on TV. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Dad a big fan? I don't know if he's a fan. I was just curious, but he always watched him. Well, he always, I mean, he, the guy The guy has uh charisma in his speaking it's hard not for anyone to watch once he starts talking about i have him. a lot of family members on my grandmother's side like her her people there there's quite a few nation of islam up in new jersey and new york interesting yeah I just, it's, it's man i want to i want a documentary about the nation of islam did you know that they're closely tied to scientology it doesn't surprise me louis <laughs> farrakhan accepts i think scientology pays louis farrakhan specifically i think it's all centered around farrakhan yeah that this weird cross pollination is occurring, he will actually recommend people in the member members of the Nation of Islam to go get audited. Yeah, because then they can find out everything about him. And of course, as you can imagine, it's a bit of a bone of contention amongst nations members. Many have left the church over this I'm exact sure. thing. Yeah, 
But man, I want a documentary about the Nation of Islam. Yeah, it would be great. Very fascinating to yeah. me. I wish they'd let me hang out. <laughs> they probably would. You just gotta like prove you're worthy. Well, they said the whites are worse than the devil because the devil at least waits until you're dead. <laughs> so that was kind of weak, but <laughs> I was just he, like, "All right, Lewis, fair, calm Lewis, down." He really thought it was funny. Yeah, he thought he thought he was on to something. I was like, "Okay, buddy, that wasn't your best moment." <laughs> and being dead, you are not able to feel a pain. Now we are in a literal hell. In America. Now, it points out uh, in narration, I think it was Talib, he said that Lewis, he used to vilify Malcolm X because they had, they butted heads yeah. in their day. But in death, he was able to use his name to yeah. further his agenda, mm-hmm. which would become the Nation of Islam. Elijah Muhammad Lewis, he don't eat no pig. Yep, that foul animal. It's pointed out that in a way, the nation provided a, some discipline because the Black Panthers had been systematically decimated. Yeah. Their philosophies were out there, maybe uh, utilized through subgroups, but the collective power that was the Black Panthers had waned quite consistently when it looked like they could just take over a city at some point. Yeah. The religious discipline that stemmed from these groups actually did provide a balance to the addiction. They would treat addiction. and They do not smoke they do not drink. They do not argue with one another or draw blood. They do not eat that foul, filthy foul. animal. It eats shit. That eats its own shit. However, I just wanted to throw in there, has he ever had that lovely Spanish pig, that, that mangalitsa, that, <laughs> with the it eats the acorns and the, the flesh is just so sweet and it's so succulent and it's so full of like, Mwah. Mr. Farrakhan. Just try the Spanish pork. Just try some Ibirico. Just, mm, I'm telling you. Mr. Farrakhan, one word, two syllables. McRib. Okay, there I, I disagree. McRib's gross. <laughs> Doesn't it look like someone wiped their ass with it? Now, if like they would they make a, a McRib. dump and wiped their ass if with it. If they make a McRib that would taste just like that cafeteria McRib, I would eat that every day, all day. You know mm. what I'm talking about. Like in, in school, get that McRib yeah. knockoff from the that's, cafeteria. That shit that's kind of that weird, gross food from school you kind of miss. Yeah. You know, Sir Pizza was pretty much like, we have a local chain called Sir Pizza. I never go there. That it is pretty much high school pizza. This girl had a gigantic crush on high school. Worked there, and I would go there all the time. I had a, it was so terrible. She I hated it? it. Nope. Oh, okay. I was a I was a good little boy. <laughs> the scared boy. <laughs> no, I just felt like that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. That's not what God led you to do. <laughs> no, oh, I was not religious either. Oh yeah. I just was like, hey, I'm trying to focus on my studies. A rough shot of a heroin addicted baby. God, that was hard. With uh, that 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 no hope and dope tag yeah, as no read hope. by by Higginson. Yeah. And he never stops crying. He'll have to go through withdrawal, cold turkey. Then, nobody knows for sure. But he may not grow up as fast as other boys. He could suffer permanent brain damage. And chances are good he'll end up in a foster home with no mother, no father, nothing but his own life. Some life. There's no hope in dope. Man, that was tough. Yeah, that was rough shit. Again, another byproduct of the oppression. 
1975, the Vietnam War ends. My dad's on one of those helicopters leaving. Mm -hmm. He came back a junkie. It showed a helicopter crashing into the ocean. That was... That's a famous one. Were they just like pushing it off the side of the... Yeah, yeah. It's wild. Because the weight. And Erica Badu, we're nearing the end here, talking about how we, not not woke whiteies, we have to write our own story. A lot of that is going to come from just the old-fashioned principle of reading books. And more importantly, we have to write and document our history right now. It's really not about black and white. It's about the story. If we're going to tell the story, let's tell the story right. So that's why we as black people have to tell our own stories. We have to document our history. When we allow someone else to document our history, the history becomes twisted and we get written out. We get our noses blown off. Sonia Sanchez, uh, she says, If you look at the world, my dear brother, you could wake up, you could say, I don't want to get up out of bed. Because, I mean, the rich are getting richer, not only in America, but in the world. The young people have got to see it. I mean, sometimes a lot of the young people who are in their 40s now say, I'm tired. I say, you can't be tired. Take a rest. Take a vacation. But this is a lifetime job. We've got to talk about that 1% or 5% that runs everything, you know? It's a lot of work. You don't, you don't get any reward, so you really don't get a reward. <laughs> you know. Uh, but the point is that the reward is knowing that when you make transition, when you die, if you have children, there's a better world for them. And if you don't have children, there's a better world for other people too. This sounds familiar. The rich are getting richer, and there's no reward for anyone. And everything is being allotted to, most of our resources are being allotted to one, five to 1% of the mm-hmm. world's population. That sounds familiar. It does. And they're they're much smarter now. They're not flaunting it and they're hiding away. You don't even know where they live. That's kind of the one that's the true difference is that they don't even bother to hide it. Yeah. There's, if there's no if there's no accountability, why would you even bother? You wouldn't even think to do it. Man, rich people just aren't doing it right. Back in like the 1500s, it was awesome to be rich. You could roll around like 50 carat rubies, like eight of them on your necklace. And people are like, oh yeah, that's his kingly necklace. Nowadays, it's like, they don't even like wear a nice pinky ring, man. What is up with these rich people? <laughs> Got Bill Gates out here looking like a damn science teacher. Yeah, right. Where's your like 18 carat ruby, Bill? I would have, I would have one. I'd just dress like Pharrell. Pharrell. I would dress like Tyler the Creator all day, every day. <laughs> with that wig? Oh, no, 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 like normal Tyler. Okay. It's like casual, like just casual, like I would dress like I do now, but like I would have very expensive jewelry, but not like rapper expensive jewelry, just like my normal ring, but it'd be crusted in like emeralds and rubies and like my normal necklace, but just like diamonds and like turquoise and shit. Uh, We were at a restaurant the other night and um, the Grammys were on. Yeah. And we looked up on one of the TVs and my wife and Brian... And they were like, who is that? And it was Tyler Creator and his Winning wig. a damn grand. I assume he was performing Earthquake because yeah. that's the big banging single. Oh, my Earthquake. And, um, and yeah, so I had to explain that. No, this guy's actually like super talented and makes yeah. really good music. And for some reason, he's wearing that wig because he's yeah. kind of weird. If yeah, you know a little, a little bit about guy. it, you, yeah. get it. you get it. But that's that film. Sorry it couldn't end on a high note. And guess what, guys? Racism wasn't soft. Yeah, it's okay. not soft. It's still happening. Still brutal cycles over here. Yep, I still feel uncomfortable in certain parts of the country with my wife. But it's okay. It's okay. Man, well, I hope it's not this part of the country, this house, in which you feel uncomfortable because you are welcome 
You and your white wife are welcome here at any time. <laughs> yeah, drive a car is too nice for me. I'm just waiting to get pulled over one of these days. Oh, boy. It's really not even a nice car. I'm going to be straight up. I like your car. Yeah, it's, it's a good, a, regular car. It's a good, normal car. And that's that flick. I feel like I learned a lot. I felt like when I was watching this, if someone walked into my house with a MAGA hat, I would have, like, beat him with a bat. Yeah, punch a Nazi, guys. Yeah, punch I can't. I can't stress that enough. We fought a war about this. There's no question Nazis get punched. And uh, we just want to say the guy who punched Richard Spencer. Hero. It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. 100 out of 100. Uh, what's a hero rating? What's a good hero rating? I think heroes are rated in Golden Age Superman. Golden Age Superman. Yeah, yeah. you're 100 out of 100 Golden Age Superman. The yeah. guy who punched Richard Spencer. Yeah, that's true. Again. I start after that election. Okay, I'm 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 not gonna digress. <laughs> we're we're getting to the rating. I'm not gonna digress. There's a lot to digress about, really. Yeah, but we're not this, gonna do it. We are professionals, ep- Bobby. This episode could be three hours long. This could be a three-hour episode, but we're professionals. Y'all don't understand how we're truly holding back here. We're truly holding back. Eldridge, Bobby, named after that Eldridge Cleaver guy. Yeah, I love him. We don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. We rate it in Herzog's. Yeah. We're gonna. He wasn't Swedish, but imagine if he would just appeared in this movie randomly. Yeah, he wouldn't have been a, a weenie about it. He would have gotten right up front. Yeah, he would. You're gonna give this one through five Herzogs. I'm gonna give it one through five Herzogs. Combine them for best out of ten Herzogs. Do you mind if I go first? Go for it. Because it's on white. <laughs> oh wow! Oh just... Ooh, no, go go. <laughs> Take your privilege, Bobby. <coughs> I choked myself. That's karma. He he said daddy when he did it. Daddy. I love this movie. Yeah, it's good. I fucking loved it. The approach to it, the way the narration overlaid the images, the curiosity of the Swedish reporters came through mm-hmm. and like true, raw and inspiring voices all throughout this thing. I think if you haven't seen the Black Power mixtape 1967 and 1975 by Goran Olsen and several other producers... A lot of this footage was shot by many people over the years. Do it. It's good. This is what I call five out of five. Oh, shit. This is what I call a five Herzog documentary. Oh, shit. That's just all there is to say about it. Oh, my God. Five stars. This is crazy. And I'm an earthquake. For real, for real, for real this time. Make my earthquake. Actually, the TLC. Well, baby, well, hold on. We'll let you do your thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm about to say, don't try and like impose your white judgment on my star rating. I mean, Herzog rating. Look, you know how I uh, know. You know how I'm white. Yeah, I love Tyler the Creator. That's how you know. I'm oh white. God, God, yeah, sorry. it's so true. <laughs> if I hear one more person be like, "But I really love Tyler the Creator," then quickly look over out the side of their eye at me. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, you're cool, bro." You're it's cool. my duty as a white person to talk about all of Solange's records with you. Don't forget Frank Ocean. Mm, those what? are like the three, and Beyonce, those are like the four <laughs> artists where you're trying to be like super down, be like, oh yeah, just casually, like, yeah, just, but just I do really love, love Solange. I love Solange's like first and second album. Oh, you listen to Tyler? Me too. Solange has a new record. It's trash. <laughs> oh shit, I haven't heard it yet. I want to do a counterpoint to you. I'm going to make my own choice and then we will discuss it. It's trash, but listen to it. Okay, okay so <clears throat> we're 
what I liked about this documentary, I have to say the outside look, it's like someone from outside your family examining the relationship between you and your mother. It's uncomfortable. However, you get some good insights from shit like that. Go mm. to therapy, everybody. It's helpful. Number two. Um, Will do, by the way. Yeah, you should do that. It's really, should, It really, really is helpful. I, I, mean, I actually really should. No, no, it's really helpful. But number two, I really I appreciated the measured look. Because it was from the outside, there wasn't any baggage. So it was just a cold, measured look at the black experience over the time period displayed. There weren't any artistic tricks. There weren't any sort of fancy things happening. I felt like they were just rolling the camera and editing it together. Sure, there were some things that I didn't like. For instance, sexism amongst all of the social justice movements, which is prevalent then, was prevalent then, is still prevalent now. But that wasn't really what this documentary was about. It was about the black experience fighting injustice. With that said, I'm going to give this documentary a five as well because it was just fucking good. Damn. And I think we all know what that means. TLC, baby. Condom on your left eye. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> yes, and that is so deserving. Yeah, man, it's it's a solid fucking movie. It's I would actually five. put this amongst. I don't know where it would place. I might even say top three, but mm-hmm. easily top five of the best movies we've discussed on the show so far. My little black uh, baby child who is, has a white mother will definitely be seeing this when she's old enough. Yeah, you should like show her immediately. Like, yeah, like have it on as she's coming in out. the birth room. It's gonna be on, like, yeah. fref, like downstream from the mom, you know, at the opening. Just boom, come out, Black Power mixtape. Yeah, it's that important. Got to remember, you got to memorize all the Stokely Carmichael speeches. God damn, that dude was charismatic. All the Angela Davis speeches. Like mm, I, oof, great woman. She makes my earthquake. All right, that's it. Ten out of ten Herzogs for a fine fucking film, Black Power mixtape by Gorin. Olson, 1967 to 1975. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, me too. This is good. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I uh, Oh, did you have to rent this? I did. Okay, I'll spot you four bucks. Yeah, right? was it... What? You PayPal? Yeah, I do. It was actually... It was 75, so if you just... Well, $75. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's the cheapest one I could find, but like, if you want to get that to me tonight, that'd be great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, 75. So, All, right. All cool. right, Chief. Yeah. Keep on docking, my friend. choice of Oink Nixon, Oink Humphrey, and Oink Wallace, they're not for us. They do not represent, they do not represent the best interests of this country. They definitely don't represent the best thinking in this country. In fact, they represent the very worst tradition that was ever to crawl from beneath the rocks in this 
this bankrupt country. I'm in the zone like pictures on the wall on my own life. Just like a driving, only it's live and it's a montage of the places I've been. My sixth sense taste the problem. The suspense had my heart racing, throbbing. Just like a young punk with a tape revolver pointed at the driver of a car face to rob him. The cigarettes chase the vodka. The nigga just chased the dream but won't chase the monster. The son won't face the father. The gun won't erase the drama while you wait till the time's up. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party.